Talk Radio. It's a long loop. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. All right. All right, all right. Yeah, very good. They're all excited and all happy. We've got wine for them, and it's a nice night out there, and they're just, you know, the bus people are thrilled. So, good. Always good, always good to have happy bus people. I hate to see them protest or something. So, all about wine. Go. 701. Yeah. There we go. 701, August 27th. We are live. So, and we are waiting for our guest to call in any moment now. So that's right. Katie's okay, uh, supposed to be getting a hold of us. You know, supposed to be calling. I checked. I didn't see anything. Let me go back and check again and see if there's a last minute, last <laughs> minute message to me. But I don't believe there was. Uh, let's see. Nope. 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 No. Yeah. Everything is good. Okay. She has what she needs, and I haven't gotten okay. any last-minute messages. So, uh, uh, I gotta check this. Um, where's this? Okay. Uh, oh, okay. So, she might be on. Yeah, she might be in there now. Okay. Oh, yeah. It looks like it. Looks like, I, don't, I, I guess that's her number. I guess we're going to have to say, okay, that must be her. Either that or somebody's trying to sneak in a call before her. <laughs> Let's bring her on. Okay. Hello, Katie. Is that you? It is. Hi. How's All it going? Right. Going quite well. And yourself? Yeah, I'm doing good. Great, great. Uh, this is uh, Katie Wilson from LaRue Wines. Uh, well, actually, that's where her home winery is, although she has herself uh, quite busy with a lot of other wineries and everything. So, But uh, welcome to the show. I'm glad you were able to take time out to join us tonight or this afternoon there yeah. since you're in Sonoma. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it's, it's a look to it, really. Uh, so... Let's start out with you telling us about you and where you got your education and how you got your education and and everything leading up to this moment. Totally. Yeah. I grew up uh, in the Central Valley of California on a small walnut orchard. So uh, my first part of my education was learning how to drive a tractor and um, plant trees and, and take care of the farm. So that uh, really... From a young age, I had a big interest in agriculture, and that led me to um, go to apply to college at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. Um, so I started there with a, a major in agricultural business, 
And um, my freshman year in Ag Business 101, they started talking about different things you could do in the world of agriculture, and they started talking about wine, and I was just like, that's it. I know what I want to do. <laughs> For me, <laughs> I, was, I was 18, and it wasn't just about drinking alcohol. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, that's I, what you say now. <laughs> now. <laughs> totally. Uh, but, yeah, at, at that time, um, I hadn't really tasted much wine. My parents weren't wine, big wine drinkers back then. But I, um, I, for me, it was wine is first and foremost agriculture, but there's so much more to it. You're, there's a lot of chemistry involved. Um, there's a, a lot of creativity, and no two vintages are the same. And you're growing something like um, that you're actually taking and creating something out of versus growing walnuts. You're just growing them and <laughs> shipping them off and you never see them again. <laughs> I never thought of it, but you're right. Especially growing yeah. up on a farm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, bye. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, all, and the that's, feedback all, that's all there is. Feedback you get from yeah. people from wine is tremendous. The feedback you get from walnuts is, oh, it tastes like a walnut. I mean, that's, that's yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, so I um, very quickly started doing a double major. So I have a degree in agricultural business as well as wine and viticulture from Cal Poly. Oh. And starting, yeah, starting out, um, the, my very first job in the in the wine industry was working on a thousand-acre vineyard in the Central Valley um, for a season. That was probably the hardest job I've ever had, working in the <laughs> 10-hour days, six days a week in 100-degree weather. Oh, yeah. Was, um, yeah, it sucked. But after that, I still really was interested in wine, and I, so I think that's a good indication that you're in the right place. So yeah. when I graduated, I worked. I traveled around for a few years, uh, working harvests in different locations. So I worked in Australia and New Zealand and Napa Valley um, and just, kind of spent a few years doing that, and that was really educational, making all sorts of different kinds of wines. Um, and ultimately, I ended up landing on the uh, Sonoma Coast at Flowers Winery. Mm. Uh, so I worked there for two years on, and worked my way from the enologist up to assistant winemaker. And, um, and that's when I really, really got to know this kind of sliver of the Sonoma Coast that I work with for LaRue now. Um, that is just so special to me. It has such a good influence from the ocean. Uh, the soils are really great for Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. And uh, to me, it's just like such a great spot for, for the style of wines that I like to make. Um, so that was my first kind of exposure to that area. And then after I had been at Flowers for a few years, I decided I, I needed to challenge myself and make a totally different style of wine. So I went and worked at Cayman Wines in the town of Sonoma. Uh, their vineyards up on Moon Mountain, and uh, they make Cabernet and Syrah in a very big, uh, bold style. Um, and I uh, started working there as the associate winemaker. And when I started working there, Robert came and said to me, "Hey, Katie, if you want to make your own wine here, you can." And I was like, oh. "Cool, I'm 20, 26. That's not happening anytime soon." Um, and pretty shortly after that, I, another friend came to me and offered um, some of these vineyards I already knew from when I was working at Flowers and saying, hey, I have extra fruit. You should start your own wine. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. that's an interesting idea because I had written a business plan as my senior project at Cal Poly to start a small winery. And I huh. rewrote that plan and I started talking to people about investing 
And every person I spoke with wanted 50% or 51% and it just oh, didn't make sense. <laughs> like, it was just yeah. too, you do all the work, you give me the money. Pan out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had given up at that point. And, and shortly after that, another winemaker friend came to me and said, hey, Katie, I, I want to see you do this. I'm going to loan you the money and you're going to pay me back when you can. And if I could give you any advice, just don't give up ownership in your, in your business. Um, and so I, um, was off and running before I could second guess myself. And I started LaRue in 2009, uh, at the age of 26. And I, um, yeah. I make about 500 cases now of, of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay from the Sonoma coast. And that was my plan to stay about 500 cases from the beginning. So I have since paid back the loan that my friend gave me and, and, um, Yeah. And I still own LaRue 100%. So that's a great, great outcome there. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, I, I want to point out to the listeners, too, that, you know, she went on about working all these wineries and all these different places she traveled and graduating from college and everything. She is only 36 years old. I mean, it's just yeah. <laughs> you, it's a fantastic job. And, I mean, you've kept yourself quite busy and learned quite a bit in a few few short years of your life. And I say that because I'm yeah. <laughs> you know, up there quite a bit more than <laughs> so, but yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah. So after I, so. after I started LaRue, I was working at, um, I worked at Cayman for five years. So, so I spent five years doing both LaRue and working there as the associate winemaker. And also during that time, I started consulting for other wineries. Um, and at, at some point it became too much to do everything because of like having four full-time jobs. Uh, yeah. so I left Cayman in 2014. Um, and I now work a hundred percent for myself as a consultant, uh, a consulting winemaker, uh, for Annaba wines and Reeve wines and Smith story wine cellars. So, um, in addition to doing LaRue as well. So it keeps me quite busy. <laughs> yeah, well, I can imagine. So you, you know, I, you're a consultant winemaker at those other wineries. You, you, you are not the winemaker. Um, so at Annaba, I am the winemaker. Um, but oh. again, the arrangement is I am a consultant. I'm not a full-time employee there. So it's just maybe paperwork difference. Um, okay. And then with Reeve Wines, I work with uh, Noah Dorrance, who's the owner. And we work together mm. making the wine. And similarly with Smith Story, I work with Eric Story and myself work together on making the wine. So it's, it's really fun because... There's a lot of collaboration and um, creativity and just, like, making a, a little bit different style for each winery. Everybody has their own oh. um, vision of how they want their wines to turn out. And it's all within my, my range of my own style. But it's, you can make slight differences in the amount of new oak you use or how much whole cluster you're putting in the fermentations or how long it ages in barrel or even the varieties that you're doing. Um, I make lots of different varieties of wines for my different clients. So it's really, really quite fun and, and interesting. I can imagine it would be, you know, it's just, you mentioned something there that uh, I've always thought is unique in the fact that just a little bit of adjustment in anything in the process of making wine can give you a completely different outcome. It's just, it's so amazing yeah. how, it, you know, it doesn't take much. Um, I play golf, and it, it's just like you bring your foot back 
three inches and it completely gives a different trajectory to the ball. And the same thing with the wine. I mean, you, you totally. add something a little bit different and it gives you completely different results at the end. And, um, you know, it's I, something I don't know if the listeners are aware, of, but it, you know, when you, when you're making uh, year after year, making batches of wine and being consistent in your quality, it's not just luck. It's a skill that, yeah, you have to practice, you know. So, but yeah, yeah there are thousands of decisions that we make from from the beginning of the season all the way through putting it into a bottle, and every single decision changes the wine and changes how it's going to turn out. Um, and I think it's also interesting. I my goal is that if you taste my wines from the same vineyard year after year. They are going to be different because I am trying mm-hmm. to capture what's happening in that vintage. So although I am doing very similarly similar winemaking um, through year after year, uh, you should be able to see a difference in the wine. I'm not trying to manipulate the wine to make them taste the same every year. So well, I think that's also and, a really interesting thing about wine. <laughs> and the thing with that, too, since you don't do anything to manipulate is – not enough rain, too much rain, uh, cold, hot, all these factors come into play. And so you have to work with that to get the quality that you're striving for. So it's, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's not an easy task. You know, I mean, kudos to you for being able to obtain the quality year after year after year. That's really a lot of hard work. I know I've, had a wine we understand so uh, okay so LaRue that is from what it is named after my great grandmother her name was Uh Fiona LaRue and she was someone who always told me I could do whatever I wanted in life Uh, she lived to be 98 years old so I knew her very well Um, she uh, was still alive when I named the wine Uh, she didn't ever get to taste it but uh, she was really proud of me and, and definitely um, she said when I told her I was naming it after her, she said, well, I can't say you picked the ba- best name in the world, but it'll do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obstinate all the way. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. You gotta love them. Uh, yeah. So uh, LaRue Winery, where, where is it? How did you decide on the location that it's at? You were given the land, or you said, "Oh, I like that lot there. I want to put it there." Or what was the? Yeah, so I worked with um, a few small growers, and these were people I first met when I worked at Flowers. And so I have uh, the vineyards that I work with are all really small vineyards where the owners live on the vineyards. So I don't own any vineyards myself. But we worked together year after year um, in the farming and uh, and making and I make the decisions on when to pick. Um, but as far as how the vineyard is farmed, we're working together with the vineyard manager and making sure that everything is done to the standards that we all agree upon. And um, and yeah, this it, the vineyards that I all work with are very close together in this little area of the Sonoma Coast. It's about eight to ten miles from the ocean. They have vineyards range of that eight to ten miles from the ocean, and they just have a huge amount of coastal influence. And the fog comes in and out almost every day, and wow. really helps to that slow development of the flavors in both Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. And I just, to me, I just love the the 
the area. I'm able to pick at a fairly low bricks most years, so the bricks will give you the percentage of alcohol. So right. I um, most of my pinots can range anywhere from as low as 12.5% alcohol to mid-13s. Um, wow, you do keep on a, on a higher year. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really great area because you can get a lot of flavor at a lower bricks level. So, um, and that's, that is part of why I love it so much. So if it was no, a hotter that... area, you the bricks get high before the flavors start to develop. So you end up having a higher alcohol in that when you're in an area that's, right. that's a little bit hotter. The harvest, you mentioned that. When is it? It should be coming up pretty soon. Yeah, so we, um, right now, it's, we're, we're in, um, it, we did have a cool uh, June, July, and beginning of August, and then we had a, a major heat spike and, um, and some unprecedented lightning storms that have, um, that caused some fires. So we right now are, um, there are some pretty big fires going on in both Sonoma and Napa County. So at the moment I'm, I'm working on assessing the, the damage and, and making some decisions. We don't really know what's going to happen yet as far as this vintage goes, but, um, but yeah, we, we will, to be soon being able to tell. I did already pick some sparkling, some Chardonnay for sparkling wine for Reeve Wines, one of my clients. And uh, we did that right the week before the fires started. So um, we, have, we have that fermenting right now, which is exciting to be making sparkling wine. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's, that's tough. I never did do that. It's just too, too much of a yeah. hassle, I thought. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask about the fire. Yeah, I know. You could. Yeah. <laughs> you know, more part two on the sparkling wine. Uh, I was going to ask about the fires there. They are affecting you because you seem to be right in the heart of the fire area. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is affecting us. We're, and I think every every vineyard um, we're, we're testing separately and every winery is going to have different experiences. But we're, 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 we're evaluating right now and trying to figure out what what we can do and um, and go from there. So. We are we are hopeful that it will be will be okay, but at, at this point, it's unknown where, where we're at. Wow. Have they yeah. gotten them under control, or are they still battling? Yes, there. I mean, the fires are still going. Um, there, there is more. They do have more control of, of them than they had um, earlier in the week. Um, and a lot of the mandatory evacuated areas are not anymore. So that's that's good news. Um, but it is, it is really heartbreaking. I do have a few friends whose houses burned down, and it's it's, oh, it's wow. tough. So, yeah, it, it is. You know, and we um, last year during the fires, uh, both in California and Australia, I did a lot of uh, mm-hmm. a lot of reporting on the fires and all that. These things just sprang up on me. I didn't realize. Like a couple of weeks ago, I went, "Oh my gosh, look at all the fires in California!" And they're not giving them the yeah. news that they have before. It's just like. Oh, you know, and the national media is sort of like, well, more fires in California, you know, so it's going to something know, it's else. Unfortunate you know. that they've, yeah. yeah and they, it really has only been a little over a week ago that the fire started. It's been very, it hasn't been going for very long. Um, actually, on some one of the 
uh, sparkling wine um, that I picked on uh, was on Monday the 17th, and that was before there were no fires at that point. Um, but wow. there was a lot of light. I was I actually was sampling after the pick. We picked in the middle of the night, and then I went out sampling after that, and I took some photos of lightning with the sunrise, and it was um, – definitely you know at the time it was beautiful and then now we after the fires it you know it puts a different yeah, that, perspective on it so it does you know well we uh, yeah. our guest last week uh was from uh, and i asked i said you having any smoke problem he goes yeah he says we're uh, at the time they said that they were like the third most polluted air in the state because oh, of the wow. way the wind was wow. blowing down at Ropos. And the person that helped me book them on the program lived in uh, Palm Springs. And they said that their mm. air quality is really bad there, too, from the smoke. So, it, you know, it's it's not just the fires, but the smoke is affecting all over the place there. It's, yeah, it really is. Yeah, even at my parents' house in the central, in the central valley where the walnut orchard is, is there, it is very smoky there as well. So, um, wow. yeah, it's going to affect a lot of people. Um, I think the one the one area people say is still clear is Santa Barbara. So that's only right. Huh? <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. only place. Yeah. <laughs> only place in the state, Santa Barbara. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Yeah, and you know that smoke. You know, and I talked on the program before too about smoke taint and how that can affect the grapes. And this time of the year. Right before harvest, it, it seems like a critical time for yeah. smoke tank, you know. So yeah, and that, and that's what we're testing for, and um, and if if we're getting results that come back high, um, a, a lot of people won't be able to pick if that's the case. But we still oh. don't know; it's still still out to be determined. Um, but uh, I know a lot of the ETS, which is the main lab that that runs those numbers is right. um, is definitely over overloaded with samples at the moment so oh i can um, imagine they would be yeah everybody's yeah. sending in samples of, of what they have there wow that's that's mm, that's horrible that really is uh, yeah. you know all of you listeners after all i will try to keep you updated on the floor uh, for on the california fires there it's harder and harder to find information on it too i mean last year it was all over Everywhere yeah, you can look yeah. on the internet and find it just California fires and boom, you get all this information and they don't have it as much this year. It's just like, I don't know. It's just, uh, they're taking a little bit lightly and there's no reason to. So, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, our, our thoughts are with you on the harvest and hope that it turns out well for you. So you don't lose any, any major grapes or anything. Uh, your, uh, Let's go into the the winery now. Okay, what do you use? Stainless steel, uh, oak, cement, plastic. So, what? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I ferment uh, the pe- the pinot is fermented in stainless steel, and then after fermentation, it goes to French oak barrels, and I will do anywhere from as low as twenty percent new oak. Um, to as high as 50% new oak, and, and that's primarily because I make some, some of my wines are only two barrels, so 
when you only oh, have two well, barrels of something, you have one one new one and one old one. <laughs> yeah, you know, it makes it a little uh, bit cheaper too. That way, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, for for my Chardonnay, I do um, ferment it in barrel in French oak barrels, and that mm-hmm. um, I try to use once used oak barrels, so it's not too oaky. Um, so I'm able to get find some barrels that have been used once before for um, Chardonnay, and then. Um, and then ferment it in, and age it in that. And it gives you kind of the feeling of oak without it being overpowering. Um, yeah. I, I find that balances really well. Yeah, it's, some Chardonnays is like chewing on an oak tree. I mean, it just, yeah. they become <laughs> overpowering on the oak. And you go, well, you know, there's no flavors, there's no fruit, there's no anything. All you taste is oak. And so, you know, yeah, it's the, the keep it down a little bit, yet get that hint of is always, I think, is best. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, do you uh, age for a long time, or do you try to keep it reasonably short to keep the fruitiness in it? So for me, I um, I age my pinots for 20 months in barrel, and that is quite a, a long time. And yeah. I am I. But for me, I do. I am very careful with when I give oxygen to the wine. So when I'm racking, and or um, so, and when and what amount of oxygen gets into the wine at that point, and that is how I am able to maintain a lot of freshness and vibrancy and fruit character by aging that long in barrel. And for um, for my Pinots, the reason why I'm aging it for 20 months is I really do believe that that allows for the oak to integrate very well into the wines and to build a lot of mid-palate texture um, based on how long I leave it on, on the original leaves. Um, and then for the Chardonnays, I bottle at about 16 months, which is also long for Chardonnay. Pretty long. Yeah. But again, yeah. I, I am, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I am letting it stay on original leaves for as long as I can. Sometimes that's 12 months, sometimes that's a little bit less. But um, at that point, I, I do think that that builds like a lot of great texture to the wine and integration. So um, and with balancing, being careful about when I am introducing oxygen, I, I, I'm able to maintain the freshness in the wine still. Oh, very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, I, you know, if it, if I, I like the freshness in a wine, I, I not, yeah. don't, you know, I like a wine that just it gives you that, uh, that immediate flavor. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, a, a high tannic wine, one that you can put away for years and stuff like that. And it balances and, you know, it shows its age. Well, there's, I, but a lot of the wines coming out of California seem to be the ones that are real heavy that need to be aged. And it's always pleasant to find mm-hmm. some good California grape that's made into a drink now or drink with the next four yeah. or five year wine without, you know, that overbearing tannins and stuff in it. Totally. Uh, yeah, my, yeah, my aim is always to, my aim is always to release wines that you can drink right away, that they're great and beautiful and have, have great aromatics and flavor, but that you can also age for four, six, ten years. Um, mm-hmm. So writing that balance is really, is really tough, but I, I do really, um, I do really think that it's, it's like the perfect 
balance of being able to you want people to be able to drink their wine when you when they buy them from you you don't want to say oh you have to eat this wine yeah I, know. <laughs> and that, that's, I would like to be able to say that <laughs> you you don't the problem is and i've always said that when i had the winery i used to tell people i said you know they say should we age this and i said no actually you know the wines i made were made to be drank i mean right within yeah. but most wines are uh, most people and this is surveys that, that was done. Most wines are drank within the first 30 days. Up to 95% yeah. of all wine purchases drank within the first 30 days. And yeah. when you tell people this needs to be put down, this needs to be aged for, for five years, once that wine walks out the door, you've lost control. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it always scares me to see somebody take a great wine that needs to be aged for a few years and just treat it horribly. And then when they do open it up after five years, they go, this is terrible. And you're going, well, you didn't treat it right. That's, you know. It's very true. You know, and I just, that's an issue. I try to tell people, if it needs to be aged and treated, you know, always look at a wine as your best friend. How would you treat your best friend if you want to keep it comfortable for the next five years, you know? And so, um, you know, you're not going to throw it out in the garage in a, in a box and five years from now. Oh, you know, I mean, in, in 90 degree weather. In 90 degree weather, you know, with, with you know, tremendous humidity and all this stuff. And then open it up and say, oh, this is terrible. They didn't know what they were talking about. So I just, you know, I always, uh, one of my, I don't know, preaching points is, you know, people, if you're going to age wines, do it properly. You can buy a wine refrigerator for 99 to $150 and that's probably mm-hmm. the best investment you can make in wine. Yeah, so, so well, okay, but yeah, it's, I just, it's, I, a good, it's definitely good advice. <laughs> it, yeah, it just, it, it just, uh, I'm so afraid of good wines going bad out there because people's not treating them properly. I just, it's a, a fear that I have. Uh, it just <laughs> reminds me of a quick story. I, I'm, you know, I'll let you get back to telling me about your wines next year. But I was at the winery, and a young man came in one day. He was a truck driver, and uh-huh. he drives all around. And I say young man. He was he was in his young 30s, upper 20s. So, And mm-hmm. as he traveled around the country, he would stop at wineries and buy wines and take them back for he and his wife. And... I mm-hmm. said, wow, I said, that's a great thing to do. I said, you probably have tasted wines from all over. He said, well, actually, we're, we've got them all stored. We're aging them. And I just went, oh, no, no, what are you doing? He says, yeah. He says, we have like, you know, close to 300 wines that we're aging that I bought around the country. And I just immediately, I said, drink them. Drink them now. Go home <laughs> and have yeah. a party with your wife and drink them. I said, you know, don't. You know, and this is the thing. People think, oh, I've got wine and they're supposed to be aged. And this young man was doing that. And I'm sure he had himself a lot of bad wines that he has purchased over the, the months and years. Yeah. But, you know, and, and so many other people are out there like that. You know, just, you know, so, okay. I That just reminded me of that hymn when I just started going yeah. about aging wines. I know. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's just sad. Okay. You're... Charles Heinz Vineyard Chardonnay. Yes. Tell me about that one. 
Yeah, so that is, um, so Charles Heinz Vineyard uh, is a pretty well-known vineyard on the Sonoma yes. Coast, just outside of Occidental. Um, and Charlie Heinz, um, his family has, has owned the property since the late 1800s. Wow. And plant, he planted, yeah, they, they've, they've been, it's been in the family for a very long time. Um, and he um, took over the vineyard, um, I think in, he was saying in the, in the 80s, and they planted the Chardonnay that I work with in 1982, I believe. Um, and so it's a very old vines, and it's um, the clone four is the clone that it is. Um, and he, so that it's kind of a really beautiful spot for Chardonnay because you're able to pick um, with a lot of great acidity and a lot of character. So it comes out with a lot of minerality and flinty notes and citrus. And um, it can be, I think if you don't add too much oak to it, like I don't, um, you can have a lot of characters that come out um, and show really, really beautifully. Um, and this vineyard is all Gold Ridge sandy loam soil, so that's very common for the Sonoma Coast um, for this area. And, and most of my vineyards do have those soil, that soil type, and it's very great for um, good drainage and um, has, it just makes really really great spots, really great soils for for wine grapes. So I started uh, getting fruit from his vineyard in. Um, 2014 was my first vintage. So I actually had worked with, with Charlie when I was at Flowers Winery. Um, so I, I knew, knew of the vineyard and had worked with the fruit. And um, it took me five years after starting LaRue before I was able to convince Charlie to get me, sell me some fruit. Um, and so, <laughs> <laughs> so we, I get about uh, just a few tons every year. And um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's great. I really, really love the vineyard and it's, it's a great to work, work with, work closely with a farmer like him who's been, been doing it for so long and whose family has had the land for so long. Does pretty, he pretty do you have any input into your, your grapes? Yeah. So he's a, he's a good farmer. So you don't like, as far as like telling him what to do, you don't really need to. I do check in on the vineyard quite often. Um, and we talk about what's going on. Um, last time I was there, we were chit-chatting and, and just talking about family and everything for, I think, like 30 or 45 minutes. And just it's, it's kind of nice to have a relationship like that with a grower. Um, I do make the decision on when to pick. Um, oh. And then as far as, like, when, when as far as, like, just the, the maintenance of the vineyard, he's definitely very on it and, and um, is – is doing everything at the appropriate time as far as pruning and dropping fruit and just taking care of the vineyard in general. So he know, he knows his vineyard well. <laughs> Very good. Does that also hold true for Ted and Lauren Klopp and the Klopp Vineyard? Yeah, yeah. So um, with Ted and Lauren, I have um, I have a bit bigger blocks with them um, sections of the vineyard. Um, and we, we work together on, on making the decisions of when to do green drop or prune and, and those sorts of things. Um, and then I, I make the decision on when to pick. Um, and so with Ted and Lauren, we have Thorn, I work with them on Thorn Ridge Vineyard. 
And then um, we also have a vineyard called H. Klopp um, that we planted together. So we worked together on choosing the, the clones of the Chardonnay, and we planted it. It's eight acres altogether, so it's, it's pretty big for, for me. Um, yeah. Eight acres is so small as a farm, but... <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it's really great because we were able to experiment with different clones. So there are four different clones on that vineyard in two acre sections, um, and that is is already showing. At, we only planted it in 2014, and um, and the first harvest was 2017, and we that that vineyard is is already showing so much character at even even at with young vines. So I'm I'm really excited to see what it's like in 10 years from now. Um, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Now you said you, you've got a couple of different clones. You don't keep them separate in uh, your fermentation and balling. You just you blend everything then. I do keep them separate. So I, oh, do you? For fermentation, fermentation and aging, I keep them separate. So, um, I, so I, I share some of this vineyard with some of my clients that I make wine for. Um, because it's definitely more more fruit than I can take on myself, making yeah, only 500 cases. Acres, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I make um, I for the section for my um, Chardonnay, it is Old Wente and Mount Eden clones, and I will uh, press them separately and keep them separate through aging, and then I'll blend them together before bottling. So it's about 50% of uh, Mount Eden and 50% Old Wente. Um, both in the 2017, 2017, 18, and 19 vintage have all been about 50% of oh, each of those clones. And so, then the other two clones that are there are I, we do different. I do different mixes for my clients, and it's it's really interesting because it's the if you taste them all in a lineup of a single vineyard, they all taste very different. And oh yeah, well, it's um, like we were talking. Yeah. It doesn't take much. To, yeah. To yeah, totally. The, so it's really cool. Yeah. Um, so that's only two Chardonnays you make? Yes. Yeah, I just make two Chardonnays. Okay. There's not now. very much Chardonnay planted out in this little sliver of the Sonoma Coast. A lot of it is further inland. Um, Charles Heinz Vineyard is probably one of the most, most. It is the, I think it is the biggest vineyard where that actually sells fruit to other people. Some wineries who own their own vineyards have Chardonnay on them. But there's not. It's really hard to find Chardonnay um, that in, on that coastal area. Um, hmm. So that is one of the reasons why we planted Chardonnay at the H. Klopp Vineyard. When Ted and Lauren first came to me, they they actually were thinking about planting Pinot Noir because uh, that's what they have at their other two vineyards. And I was like, what about planting Chardonnay? Because there really isn't enough in this area. And so that was kind of how we came to that. And it was really really great because they're there really isn't enough planted. Most people are planting Pinot Noir because they can get better prices for it. Oh, um, okay. So, yeah. I'm just going to ask why, and that, but that answers it yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we we made an agreement to pay uh, Pinot prices for Chardonnay. Wow. <laughs> ah, yeah, they go, oh, okay, well, no, no yeah. reason. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, just so, uh, I was wondering why there would not be Chardonnay plantings on, you know, that area there, but... You know, I can, you know, because Chardonnay can grow almost anywhere. And, you know, the quality yeah. of that uh, with, the, uh, you know, fogs in every day and stuff like that would create some great Chardonnays, I would think. Yes, definitely does. It's, it's very well suited to Chardonnay. 
it's just that, yeah, most, if, if you, people who have purchased land and decide to plant a vineyard, they look at the, the price that you can get for Pinot Noir for the county average uh, is nearly double what you can get for Chardonnay. Um, so that much. Wow. if you don't have it sold, yeah, if you don't have it sold ahead of time, knowing that like the quality in this area, just like Charlie's Vineyard is so much better than um, other areas that it, it, it can demand a higher price. Um, right. And that is why the Chardonnay that I sell is, it does retail for $60 a bottle because it is, the fruit that goes into it is very expensive. So <laughs> Yeah, and that's just, you know, something people don't understand. It's not like you're trying to make all of your loan money back in one bottle of wine. It's just the cost yeah. of grapes. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> yeah, the cost yeah. of grapes are expensive. expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. Okay, I sold a case of wine, now I can pay back my loan. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way. Oh, okay, so the, just the two Chardonnays. Well, then you have Pinot Noir, and you have, you know, you, it seems to be that Pinot Noir is a love of yours, or is it just by yes. default? No, I love Pinot Noir. I Pinot to me is the trickiest uh, variety to make. It definitely is the most finicky. It can be it can be heartbreaking on years, and it can be amazing. It's it's like it's to me. I, I love making Pinot. So, um, so that is for that is what I started with the first uh, five years. I only had Pinot. So oh really? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't until 2014 when I started working with Charlie that I, I that was the first vintage I had a uh, Chardonnay. So from 2009 to 2013, I only made Pinot Noir, and I've been working with the same vineyards for since I started. So uh, the Rice Spivak Vineyard um, and Emmeline Ann Vineyard are I've been with since the beginning, and then the Thorn Ridge Vineyard with the Klopp's. I started working with them in 2014. So, mm-hmm. so the different Pinot Noir. Well, let's start out with the first one here, the, the Sonoma Coast. Is yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So the Sonoma Coast is a barrel selection of my single vineyard wine. So, oh. um, starting in the 2018 vintage, I'm actually putting the percentage of the vineyards on the back label. Um, because I think that it it kind of distinguishes it from a Sonoma Coast that could be made by a big winery that maybe has 40 vineyards in it. Um, and I, I, you know, it's one of those things that over time is like, oh, yeah, I should do that. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, it is always from the, from the vineyards that I make single vineyard wines out of. And it's another thing that is really cool how different it can taste from your single vineyard wines because you're, you're choo- I'm choosing barrels then maybe are a little bit more fruit forward. It's meant to drink a little bit earlier than the single vineyard wines. And I release it earlier as well. And it, um, yeah, it, it's meant to be a very food friendly wine and uh, just a great wine to enjoy. Um, and so it's always uh, has some of, some of the vineyards that I work with for my single vineyard wines. Oh, very good. The uh, Coastlands Vineyard is uh uh, higher, I noticed a higher elevation on this, so that should yeah. give you a, a, a fruitier overall wine, does it? It can, yeah. On some years, it can definitely be more fruit forward. On some, it has a lot more spice to it. Um, so this vineyard, I don't get this fruit every single year. 
Um, this is a vineyard owned by the Cobb family, and that they have their own um, own wine called Cobb Wines, and they um, it's one of those they can have very 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 low yields. So on on oh. years that they have extremely low yields, I'm not able to get any fruit, but on years where they get two tons to the acre, which is still very low, uh, I can buy yeah, some fruit from them. <laughs> so yeah. um, it's really a really amazing site, uh, very close to the ocean. It's actually only two miles from the ocean. Wow. Um, and it has, it's uplifted seabed. So you can actually find fossils in the soils there, which is pretty amazing, uh, seashells. And, um, and it was planted in the early 90s. So definitely uh, some older vines and yeah. really... Yeah, really good character there. So, um, well, so yeah, that I... that is one that I don't have every single year, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, that's ones people can look for there at Coastlands Vineyard. Yeah. Uh, it seems like uh, what is it? A mandolin, a mandolin, and vineyard. The, that's the Emmeline Ann, Yeah. No, Emmeline. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. pretty close to the ocean too. It seems. Yeah. Yeah, so that one is just a little bit further in from where Coastlands is. Um, and, yeah, that's about seven miles from the ocean. And it is. Um, it also has some elevation. It's about 800 feet elevation. It's a very small vineyard. It's only three acres. Wow. And that's actually where I host all of my tastings. So we do oh. tastings by appointment at that vineyard, which is this beautiful spot. And um, it is really um amazing amazing to be able to do all of our tastings there the owners are Wayne and Nancy Honeycutt and they um let me host all my tastings in their guest house so and I'm now these days on the deck because most of the time we're on the deck when the weather is good anyway but this time now with the with COVID we are always on the deck (laughs) always on the deck yeah always always. so you are you are doing tastings so you're back to doing opening doing tastings okay very good yeah, we we're doing tastings by appointment, um, and they're private tastings. So um, we've always done private tastings. So that that's uh, new new regulation with uh, with uh, the COVID new COVID rules hasn't really affected us much. But uh, yeah, just being outside is is the most important part. So yeah, it's really great. Uh, though. Okay, then the Rice Pivik Vineyard. Yeah. So- yeah, Rice Spivak is owned by uh, Russell Rice and Helene Spivak. Um, they live on their property there. And the unique thing about this vineyard is it has volcanic ash in the soil. So it's Goldridge oh. Sandy Loam, but along with volcanic ash. So there's always this really interesting, like, earthy minerality that shines through on this vineyard. And I think for a lot of people, you can kind of pick it up immediately. Um, it still has a lot of really beautiful fruit um, as well, but underneath that is this kind of character that is, is super unique to that vineyard. And uh, it was planted in 1999. Um, so it's definitely over 20 years old now, which is, is really great. <laughs> Seeing that vineyard evolve over over the time has been been really amazing to, you know, go from when it was only – uh, 10 years old to to now 20 years old, and it really is uh, really cool to to see how the fruit is evolved and just getting better and better every year. Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing how it does that. Uh, then Thorn Ridge, you mentioned something uh, that earlier. Uh, uh, Thorn Ridge, uh, when you were talking about the uh, Chardonnay, this uh, is a Pinot yeah. Noir. Yeah. So this is not very far from where the Chardonnay vineyard is, and 
Um, this is where Lauren Klopp and her family live, and then her father lives on their other vineyard, that, the one vineyard that they own I don't work with, which is called Klopp Ranch. Um, and so they, she, she lives on the property there, and um, it was, the blocks that I work with were planted in 1996. Um, and the, the interesting thing about this vineyard is the, so the pomard cuttings that, that Ted planted there actually originally came from Dellinger Winery. Um, so he took those and planted them at Klopp Ranch and then took cuttings from there and planted it at Thorn Ridge. So I do think that the expression that that pomard has in the wine is, is so different than other pomard that I've worked with and I, has a really great spice and like um, really blackberry note to the wine and I, I really, really love how it shines through. Is all of these Pinot Noirs different clones or are they some of them the same or I mean Pinot Noir is infamous for having so many different clones out there totally uh, yeah and it and Pinot is like one of the fastest muta mutating varieties um, so yes there are a lot of different clones so some of them are the same um, I there's 115 clone at um, at Emmeline Thorn Ridge and Rice Sivak um, Pombard, the Thorn Ridge is the only vineyard um, for LaRue that I work with that has the Pomard clone. And then there's 777 at Emmeline and Rice Spivak. And then Rice Spivak also has a Swan clone, which is, is really, um, really great. It's a really, uh, really unique clone and just really expresses itself uniquely, um, has a lot of interesting character to it. Um, it yields really low, so it's not necessarily a grower's clone, but it's definitely a winemaker's clone. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then the Coastlands Vineyard is um, has the clones that were before all the Dijon clones came out, so it's um, Martini and Vaudensville. So, yeah. Do you do you notice? Uh, and since you're a Pinot Noir grower and winemaker and all this, do you notice a big difference in the clones? Yeah, and, you know, different clones express themselves differently in different sites as well. So sometimes it's like, are you are you seeing the site or are you seeing the clone more? And so it's kind uh -huh. of over time we kind of have to figure that out or, or maybe you never can figure it out. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I do think, I think there are certain clones that are very distinctive. Like 777 to me is very fruit forward and, um, and, can show can sometimes be simple when it's on its own, um, and and Pomard to me has a lot of character. It's, it's every every clone does express itself differently, but then you have to take into account it could be the site too. So yeah, you know, and that's I, I, the clones of the Pinot Noir. Like you say, they there's so many of them out there, and they they mutate so quickly. It seems like, and hmm. it it's not mentioned on the bottle it's not promoted or anything i mean someone can pick up a bottle of pinot noir and taste it and boy this is not a lot like what i've had just you know a few days ago from this winery and it yeah. could not just be the winemaker it could go back to the soil it could go back to the grape it could go back to all sorts of factors in there and i think you know, putting the clone on the bottles would be a benefit, right? at least to those of us who are a little bit more knowledgeable, and it wouldn't hurt to let everybody know what's going on. 
Yeah, I, you know, I've never put the clone, I don't put too much um, info on, on the bottle itself. I do have on my website, um, the, on all the tech sheets, the, the information sheets on the line, I put the clone so you can see there. Um, but yeah, it, it, there are some people who will make single clone lines, which is really, can be really interesting. Um, or, or maybe a blend of two clones and they'll put that on the, on the bottle. Um, and which is, yeah, that when you're doing tastings of specific clones, that can be really, really cool. Yeah. And that, that would be fun. I mean, I think, you know, just yeah. getting, <laughs> getting a Pinot Noir and saying, okay, this was grown basically the same conditions and everything all the way through. And the winemaker and all of these is Katie Wilson. But yet you can really taste the difference because they're just different clones, and I think that would yeah. be fascinating, you know. Um, so, and the last one that is not released yet, but it's coming out for wine club members only, is your yes. Pinot Noir Ray. So, uh, yeah, is uh, yeah. So you're... that's named after my mom. Her name is Jana Ray. It's her middle name, um, yeah. and. So yeah, this I just bottled the first vintage in uh, May. So mm. um, it is a barrel selection. So it's it's a specific barrel that I have taste taste over its aging and choose as what I think is my favorite barrel in the cellar. Um, so it's meant to be a, a showcasing the best of the vintage, and it is going to be wine club only. So you excited um, about it? Yes, I am. I. I I tested it out on my family. They were really, really loved it. They're the ones who've tried it so far. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I am excited. It's, it's a really, um, and it's great too because it's not necessarily going to be from the same vineyard every year. Um, it's it's just a, a picture of what I think is is tasting the best in the in the cellar. So that's that's an exciting approach yeah. to it. That would be uh, yeah, would be fun to get that every year. Uh, I noticed. On the press release page of your website, mm-hmm. you have podcasts. You have little pictures of the six that you've been on. Uh, is yeah. All About Wine going to be joining that list? Yeah, definitely. Good. Good. <laughs> and you can, you yeah, can and you know, post our podcast on there, too. I mean, you just download it yeah. on there, and you can you can just put it on there. Um, yeah, I can. I, it, it's easy. I just actually just. Uh, updated my website um, during the the COVID shutdown. Um, uh, it was a lot of work, but we got it done. But yeah, it was, it, I, we set it up so it's easy for me to make updates on it myself. So oh, I just can put a link straight to your podcast, and it, and people can click straight from my website. So it's exciting. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, what has this COVID uh, affected you any as far as sales or? Any any other way? I mean, it seems like the fires out there is going to be affecting you more than the COVID. I know it's crazy. Uh, the other day, I was talking to somebody, and we're like, "Oh my goodness, we almost forgot about COVID because we've been so <laughs> um, so like the fires have been so much, and we're we're just like, oh my, like you can only handle one handle one trauma at a time." Um, yes. But we um, we have been affected. I mean, as everybody has been affected. But right. our, we I do sell some through distribution. Some of my wine through distribution, so that obviously has has slowed down to almost nothing. But at the same time, we our direct sales have been up, which is good. Uh, we did do um, a few 
Instagram Live um, during during the shutdown and tasting and people are buying wine to join along with that. And we also have are offering virtual tastings too, which has been really fun. Um, and we've done quite a few of those, which is, is a great way to kind of bring people together and and taste uh, taste virtually. So uh, we're we're working on different avenues and and projects like that. I also we did along with a, a friend of mine who was doing a cooking um, virtual cooking thing uh, and wine pairing, which was pretty fun to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we just have to uh, keep pivoting and figuring out what works so we'll make we're making it happen <laughs> uh, sounds great uh mike do you have any questions for katie here well you know we've been doing this since 2000 something nine and you've you've mentioned cloning quite a few times and i don't think we've ever really gone into any real discussions on what cloning is have have we run and i'm kind of curious you know, you're right we have, and I just what mentioned that that the Pinot Noir is the most cloned, and I'll I'll mention that every once in a while. But you're absolutely right. I don't don't mention that too much, or don't explain it. And since we've got someone here who knows something about it, why don't we let her tell us uh, yeah. what cloning <laughs> yeah. is? Yeah, so sure. a clone of of Pinot Noir is or any variety is just a different expression of that of that variety. So it will have different shapes different sizes of clusters, the leaves will be look different. And it is all still genetically Pinot Noir, but it is a different expression. So when we're making selections of what we're going to plant, you can choose from the nursery different clones. And, um, and Pinot Noir does mutate over time and change, and that could become a different clone. Uh, so we're, we're able to and which is why it has so many clones because it mutates fairly quickly. Uh, so it's all still Pinot Noir, but it is there. The clusters even look different with the different clones. So it's it's pretty pretty amazing to have so much variety in in one vineyard even. So. And the Pinot Noir is the one that does it more often than anything. I mean, you do have a few clones yeah. from the other grapes, but it seems like Pinot Noir is just you know never satisfied with itself it always wants to change yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> that's a good way to put it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so so um yeah that's uh and uh and then you know not only does the grape do it itself but also you know some manipulations in labs and stuff trying to come up yeah. with you know yeah. the, the the perfect pinot noir and so yeah, so those, that's what I um, I mentioned, the Dijon clones. Those were uh, developed in a university in, in Dijon. Um, mm. And so those are just selections. So they're, they're breeding and selecting and, and, and choosing different um, clones to propagate. And that's the best ones were the ones that ended up getting released. So all the, all the clones that have three numbers, so like seven 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 one one five six six seven eight two eight. All of those ones are from the University in Dijon in France. Hmm. And, well, it, it, and but the question arises also: if the Pinot Noir is never satisfied with itself and it's always uh, mutating, then these clones could be mutating to something else over a period of time. Yes, um, but when you're when you're getting from the nursery, they're 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 pulling the the 
kind of the original. So they're they're pulling without mutations. So, um, but yeah, you're right. They can even things like the Swan clone, which is from Joseph Swan uh, Winery in California. Um, they they're that clone is planted all over, but it is different in different areas. So yeah, you would wonder if like, are, are there mutations happening in selections? Cause sometimes you just get cuttings from your neighbor and plant it, but uh, that doesn't happen as often anymore. Um, with, with, uh, most people are buying from nurse, getting their selections from nurseries. So, mm-hmm. oh. so, uh, there you go, Mike. That, that was that was a good question. You know, we haven't really talked about <laughs> clone. Yeah. No, that was uh, good. Thank you. Oh, you are in Sonoma. Uh, AVA is. Are you in a smaller one or just Sonoma? For the for the the vineyards are on Sonoma coast, um, and then the the winery where I make the wine is at Annabelle Wines, which I also work as their winemaker. And that's in the town of Sonoma. So okay. on my label, it says bottled in Sonoma. Um, but the vineyards are, are further out towards the coast. So Sonoma coast. Okay. Yeah. Cause out there in, in that area there, they've got AVAs inside of AVAs inside of more AVAs. I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, I, I, I think we're unique. Let's see if we can't become an AVA. You know, yeah. And, so that's <laughs> that's what happens. Uh, any other questions, Mike, of Katie? No, I'm good. This was uh, enjoyable. I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, we're good. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was great. Uh, before we leave, Katie. Uh, besides if there's anything else you'd like to throw out there, I do like you to give us all of your information, how people can get a hold yeah. of you, how they can join your wine club. And before we leave that, let's go back to the wine club. Uh, you have yeah. quite a quite a wine club that uh, uh, you've developed here. It's uh, all sorts of benefits and everything else. So, uh this is the way to go. Tell people about that in case they're a little bit yeah. more interested. So we do two shipments per year in the spring and the fall, and it can be either three, six, or 12 bottles per shipment. Um, and we give um, discounts on the shipping. And we also, um, so for the three and six bottle club, it's always $10 flat rate shipping. And the 12 bottle club, the shipping is included. Um, and we're, we are allow our, our shipments to be customizable so after you get your notification of what's coming you could let us know what you want to change out and uh, we're happy to do that and um, yeah we're 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 have special wines and offerings such as the ray and uh, library releases only for wine club Uh, so yeah it's it's really a great great um, uh, club to be in we also do a barbecue every year um, this year we didn't do it because of COVID, but we're we're excited for 2021. Um, and my my dad comes and we do it at the Emily Mann Vineyard and and barbecues for everyone, and it's it's really a great time. Um, wow. And we are also offering um, we're doing some some virtual private uh, tastings with wine club members and stuff too, which is is really great. Kind of be able to connect on that level when when we can't see each other in person. <laughs> Oh yeah, that that sounds yeah. that sounds like a good club. There are you uh, sold in any other states? Are you distributed anywhere? Uh, I know you're small, so maybe that forgoes yes. the. 
I, I am small, but I do have um, some distribution, and it's all kind of relationships that have come up naturally. Uh, so I, I am in New York um, with a really great distributor there. So I'm in some, some restaurants and stuff there. Um, and then in Texas, and then I do have a distributor in California. So I'm in a few wine shops and then restaurants in California too. So. Okay, well, add Florida to your next yeah. list there. So. When, I know. Well, my fiance is my – my fiance is from uh, Miami, so he's oh. he, we're, yeah. We would like to be in Florida, so when we go visit, we can visit restaurants and wine shops and and see and his family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you definitely because Florida is pretty easy to yeah. get, you know, get the shipping and get into and all that. It's, it's, they're not yeah. real, real tight yeah. on that stuff. So, yeah. so that would totally. be something to look for. Uh, yeah. The uh, Okay, your uh, website and your address and your phone number and your email and your Facebook page and your Twitter page yeah. and everything. <laughs> Give us all the information in case anybody wants to get a hold of you anyhow. Yeah, so the website is LaRue Wines. It's L-A-R-U-E and then wines with an S dot com. And that's where you can find information about the wine club and our tastings and, and more information about the wine and the vineyards. And then my email is info at LaRueWines.com. The phone number is 707-933-8355. And then we are on Facebook uh, and just search for LaRue Wines and Instagram also as LaRue Wines. Um, I'm not, I, I have a Twitter, but I'm never on it. You seem to be busy enough without it. worrying about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's yeah, it. So it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah, I think that's that's all the info. <laughs> all right, right. Yeah, I'm on Twitter too, but I never, never am on it either. Um, I know. I horrible, I'm horrible at it. <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I try to keep up with all about wine Facebook page and stuff like that and sometimes that gets out yeah. of hand so so yeah I understand uh, well very good thank you very much for taking the time tonight to join us and a yeah, very interesting you. history and story and it was, it was fantastic I enjoyed it tremendously thank you it was super fun and you guys have a great night you also you. and you know yeah. good luck with those fires out there that's I'll have to do thank some more follow up yeah. on that because that's that's some serious stuff I don't yeah, think you yeah, realize this what's going on. yeah it yeah. it is so so well best of luck to you and uh when I'm in California next, you will definitely be one of the stops on my list, so I will great we look uh, forward to seeing you <laughs> very good look forward to meeting you in person too at that time so have a good evening, and uh, take care, and uh, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, bye now. All right. Oh, there they are. <laughs> All right. There we go. Wow. Oh, Interesting. Very good. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I was looking at the uh, – shop wines um page and it looks like they're they're uh sending out two bottles uh the 2018 chardonnay charles heinz uh, vineyard uh sonoma coast and the 2017 pinot noir sonoma coast so uh those two are available uh for sale on the shop so yeah very good um man um well let me uh change the headline here and 
they got some mm-hmm. on their yeah the very very informative uh, website too. Uh, the Rewinds L A R U E W I N E S dot com. Simple as that. But very informative. A lot of information on there. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about Katie's story again, and has a picture of her. So if y'all want to know, you know who we were talking to, uh, there's a picture of her on the site, and uh, just a bunch of information on there. Very very informative site. So. Uh, it was um, uh, all right. Uh, it was fun. It was, it was fun. Fun yeah. talk. Fun talk tonight. And uh, next week we do not have a guest, so you, I've got some information to pass on to you. Some news in the wine industry, as always. And I will follow up on these fires out there. This is unbelievable. I mean, you know, uh, we're hearing all about the hurricane, and we're hearing about. Uh, you know, social unrest and all that, but these fires are critical. It's something that we're not getting updated on. And like I told her, I you know, last year it was all over the news, but this year it's like, you know, oh well, California's having some more fires. You know, and, it takes um, a backseat, I guess. There's other things that the media would rather push out there. So I think, um, I think so, which is sad because there's a lot of people being affected by those fires, like she said, and you know, the smoke settling all around California, too. That's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, ATF Labs does a lot of that smoke tank testing, and like she said, they were overwhelmed right now. I can imagine they would be because people are trying to see if if their vineyards, because they haven't picked yet, and this is the critical time for smoke tank right before harvest, mm-hmm. Uh and it, uh, especially red wines, and that's since they haven't picked. So this is something that's pretty critical. So I'll see what I can do to follow up some information on this over this next week, and I'll have a report on that next Thursday uh, about the right. fires and what's going on there. And then we get to that, we have another guest for you. So, Ooh, wow, um, we're we're jumping, we're doing good. <laughs> we are, we're doing good. Just just like yeah. just like we know what we're doing almost. Yeah. <laughs> we found out about clones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. We found out about clones tonight. You know, we talk about it, but you know, that's yeah. what it is. And Pinot Noir is yeah, always. I never thought about you know like what goes into cloning. I mean, you yeah. know, and, and then the mutations. I never, I never thought about the you know the the plants mut- mutating. And uh, I don't know. I just well, I was just thinking about you know. That's hmm. how a lot of. A lot of grapes came about natural selection. I mean, you know, they talk about the Cabernet Sauvignon grape being a, a uh, wild uh, cross between the Cabernet Franc and a Sauvignon Blanc, I think is the two. And it came out the Cabernet Sauvignon. And this is, you know, it happens. These things happen in the mm-hmm. wild. And so when uh, the Pinot Noir is a very very fast mutating grape and because yeah. of our plant and because of that it starts coming out with a whole bunch of different ones and and you're right we've talked to people from Oregon I've asked about clones and stuff like that but we've never actually described what the clone is or how it comes about and what it is so thank you Katie for helping us clarify that thank you. So, very good it is uh 8, 11 p.m. We will return next week. That's uh, September the 3rd. Oh, my gosh. 
Only 20 more days until the holidays. Oh, no, wait, that's that's not this week. <laughs> no, no, that's wrong one. Wrong one. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah, Long script, let me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. With, that, with that file. Um, <clears throat> pull that up from, from last year. Okay. Uh. So uh, <laughs> thank, oh, thank you all uh, very much for, for tuning in, and we will see you next Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, live. Uh, we're on Blog Talk Radio. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't. Okay. I don't know if that audio got through there or not. Um, I didn't hear anything. No. Good. Because I, I double clicked on the video instead of drag, you know, it's never mind. But it automatically loaded up in a v- video player technical stuff. Oh, back, okay. Anyway, uh, September third. We'll see you all next Thursday. Thanks a lot. Yep, I don't know yep. Be I'll safe just... out there, and uh, you know, drink lots of wine, and we'll see you next week. Thank Thanks you. for listening. Yep. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on the show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. Okay.